I want to remind you of something that John, how many of you like John Bevere? How many of you think John Bevere is a good teacher? I like John Bevere. I like his teaching. I think he's a great man of God. I think he has a prophetic edge to him. I think he's primarily a teacher, but also a prophetic person. And he, he has, you know, really done great things and we just love him. But in Acts 14, 22, it says, confirming the soul. And my title is continuing in faith. We've got to continue in faith. And there's many things that want to derail your faith. There's many tribulations that are going to test your faith. There's many things about tribulation that are going to try to get you derailed and try to get you to quit, try to get you to give up. And we're going to talk about four major areas of tribulation that the enemy is going to get to try to get you to turn away from your faith and turn away from God by using these tribulations. But look what it says. But if you overcome the tribulation, something begins to occur that is mentioned here. In Acts 14.22, let's read together. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Everybody say, continue in the faith. faith. And that we must through much tribulation. Everybody say, we must. This is not an option. We must through much tribulation enter in the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Bill? Now, Pastor Bill, what you mean we got to have tribulation to enter the kingdom of God? Well, now that goes against a lot of scriptures, Pastor. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace we are saved. Hmm. Through faith, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man boast. And enduring a tribulation would be a work that we do. Well, see, that's, not, that's because it's not talking about the kingdom of heaven that is referring to salvation. John Bevere pointed this out, and he went into a, a great word study, and, and without taking a lot of time to do that, I will bring you to the point quickly. What this means is the authority structure of God's kingdom we enter into with much tribulation. In other words, tribulation causes us to be equipped and to be empowered with divine biblical authority over the powers of darkness. The more battles you win when the devil tries to bring tribulation upon you, the more that you get armed with the power and the authority of God. Now, salvation's free. Salvation is just a gift. Salvation is by grace. Salvation is just, just receiving what God provided. Can I get an Amen. But being empowered and walking in the power, kingdom, authority, power, entering into that structure of king. How many of you know when you have a king and a kingdom, the king has authority? Everybody say, the king has authority. authority. Everybody say, the king has power power. to back up his authority. And when we enter into the kingdom of God, what that means is we're entering in to the kingdom or the authoritydom. The king is the authority. You could say like the authoritydom, kingdom, the ones who have authority. You enter into the kingdom. With much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. It isn't just through much tribulation that we enter into going to heaven because it's through grace that we go to heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. It isn't, oh, if I suffer enough, I'll get to go to heaven. If I tribulate enough, I'll get to go to heaven. How many of you know that's not true? Now, that, you know, they try to teach me that in the Catholic Church. I said, no, thank you. But tribulation 
and I know people that have been through much tribulation, they come out on the other side a vessel more refined and purified and more powerful and more, seems like, filled with God's authority and dunamis. Can I get an amen? There's something about when you go through the wilderness and the struggle and the tribulation, you come out on the other side. It says Jesus came back from the wilderness and it said that he was empowered by the Spirit when he came back. Can I get an amen? And so what we're really talking about here is going through tribulation turns up the heat and the dross gets taken off and the gold gets more purified and the vessel becomes more powerful and refined and it becomes more valuable in the hands of God. And when we understand that it's through much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom structure, the kingdom authority of God, then this scripture starts to make more sense. So we can see that, and I want to go ahead and jump over to John 16, and we're going to look at another scripture. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures tonight, so get your Bibles opened up, get them all heated up, ready to go, and we're going to be turning pages, and we're going to be looking at some things. And so in John, the 16th chapter, and you go down to that Verse, the very end of the chapter, verse 33. On 16. Okay. And these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Everybody say, we will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. See, in him you have peace. Because you, when you're in him, in his strength, you have peace. Because you're in the one who overcomes the world. And how do you overcome the world? With power and authority. And Jesus was saying, you know, in the world you'll have tribulation. Now you can be in the world, you know, I'm in the world but not of the world. But how many of you know there's about 130 in-Christ realities? Now, we've studied all the in-reality scriptures, I mean, in-him in reality scriptures about being in Christ. In him, you know, we live and move and have our being. If any man be in Christ, if any man be in Christ, behold, all things uh, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, we can look at all the in him. And see, the thing is, is we're in him. Now, we're in the world. It's kind of like wearing a garment. I can be in this room, but I also can be in this jacket while I'm in this room. Now, if I'm in this room and it gets down to 30 below, I, I, I'm going to be hurting. But if I can put on a snowmobile suit, and it doesn't make any difference if I'm in this room and all the bad cold that's trying to hurt me, if I'm in my snowmobile suit, guess what? It's not going to hurt me. And if you're just in this world and you're not in Christ, how many of you know the tribulation is going to hurt you? Somebody say amen. But praise God, we put on our snowmobile suit, Jesus, and he protects us from this whole world and what's in it trying to tribulate against us. Can I get an amen, somebody? Does that analogy make any sense? So, you know, he's talking about, you know, and I'm, let me read it again with that thought in mind. These things have I spoken unto you that in... Uh, in me, you might have peace. See, in my snowmobile, 
suit, I'll have peace because I'm warm and I'm still 70 degrees even though it's 30 below outside. In Jesus, I don't care what's going on, what kind of tribulating's going on because I'm in Jesus and I don't care outside of being in Jesus out there in the world, out there where it's cold, uh, all kinds of bad stuff can be going on, but I am in him and he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty and I'll say to the Lord, he is my strength, my fortress and my God and in him will I trust. There's something about being in him that'll keep you from whatever it is that you're experiencing by being in the world. Can I get an amen? So we know that being in him insulates us, protects us, separates us, gives us grace to be in the world, which is full of tribulation. Now, let's keep reading it. It says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. So you better be in me while you're in the world. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world, because you're in the one that's going to overcome. You know, that snowmobile suit overcomes the 30 below temperatures. Somebody say amen. And praise God, I'm in it. So I'm safe because I'm in the snowmobile suit and it's, over, it's overcoming the 30 below degree temperatures. See, now that's what it means to be in Jesus. When you're in Jesus, you'll overcome because you're inside the one that overcomes the world. Amen. Somebody say amen. That's, that's really what that scripture is saying. I mean, that's a very crude analogy, but I hope it gets the point across. So, praise God, we can be in the world, not be of it. We can be in the world, not be destroyed by it. We can be in the world, and the worse it gets, just the stronger I get. It's kind of like the guy who, who said, you know, uh, I'm, the, uh, I'm the manager of the prize fighter. And, you know, I only want to put my prize fighter up against the best, not so that he can get beat, but so that he can prove his superiority over the opponent. God keeps us here, gives us authority, not so that we can get beat, so that God can prove his superiority of making us his children over our opponent. Can I get an amen? amen. And it's good practice, and it keeps us sharp, defeating the devil and all of his, all of his pranks that he plays. Somebody say amen. amen. See, yeah, you know, we, we are more than conquerors. And, you know, a more than conqueror doesn't say to his manager, well, yeah, I'm the national champion boxer, but don't put me up against anybody hard. Don't put me up against any point. You aren't more than a conqueror. You're a wimp. Conquerors like getting in the ring and showing off the fact that they can beat everybody. That's who we are in the book. Can I get an amen? That's who we are in the story. We're the more than... Say, turn your name and say, you're more than a conqueror. So get in the ring. Pound some devil's heads. Amen. It's wimpy little... Oh, I don't want any tribulations. Oh, no. See, I'm going to give you four different types of tribulations. That is either, either you're going you're to continue in the faith or you're going to betray the faith and apostatize. That's what Jesus says. Turn with me to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Matthew, the 10th chapter, is a very, very unique chapter about the warnings of the days that we're living in. Somebody say amen. amen. Test determine overcomers. Determine whether you overcome or you betray. I want to be put to the test. I want to count the cost. That's what the Bible says we need to do. This cheap garbage type of phony Christianity that's being put out that, you know, 
we aren't going to have any challenges. How can we be proven conquerors if we don't have any challenge? There's no, there's no victory without a fight. There's no promenade through the streets of the kings and the ancient, you know, having spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them. You go back into the Greek and the Via Della Rosa, the, the victory uh, walk the kings would take, and behind them, the king would be walking, they'd be throwing roses at the king's feet because he had just won the battle. And the defeated king was in a cage, naked, spit on, beat to pieces, bloody and broken up, and displayed and humiliated for everybody to see who the conqueror and the victor was. And we're more than victors, the Bible says. And the devil's the one in that cage. That's why Jesus said he spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them. That's what all that language is talking about. And we're afraid to get into the ring. No, we should have won already and have him in the cage and displaying our victory to everybody. It's important that we understand these things. Otherwise, we fear tribulation. Jesus rejoice in it. Amen. Tells us to endure. Matthew 10, 16 through 22. This is a, these are tribulations that could come our way someday. Well, I, you know, I'm not saying that I, I really love the idea, but you know what? If they're going to come, I'm going I'm to put on my, my big boy attitude. I'm going to put on my big boy pants. I'm going to face up with it. And I'm going to make sure I win. Because I'm going to give Jesus the, the, the authority through me to defeat my enemies. Amen. So Matthew 10, 16 through 22. Oh, my gosh. We did get started late, didn't we? All right. Matthew 10, 16. It says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep amidst the wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents, harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up into the councils. They will scourge you in the synagogues. And ye shall be brought before the governors and kings of this, for the sake for the testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up and take you, take no thought how you shall speak, for it shall be given you. See, see what happens? See how the Lord cheats and he's on our side to win? He doesn't cheat, but he gives us the advantage, Right? They think they're going to they're gonna deal with this little nitwit Christian, this little empty-headed, you know, evangelical. We're going to put him in the courtroom and make a fool out of him. And then he says, I'm going to give you some words that's going to put them all on their rear end. Amen. And they're not even going to know what to say. Because my wisdom will so exceed. Jesus uh, always did that, and it says they didn't know what to say, and so they usually just walked away and didn't say anything. Well, that was Jesus. Well, what about Stephen? Acts 6.10, it says, and they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. They could not resist it. Acts 6.10 says that. But when they deliver you, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in the same hour what you shall speak. For it is not that ye speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up brother to death, and the father child, and the children shall rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be, excuse me, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But ye shall endure to the end. But they that endure to the end, everybody say, they that endure to the end shall be saved. Amen. Did you know in Daniel 7.25 it says the forces of Satan, 
seek to wear out the saints in the end times. I brought my I brought a journal over here. Where is that journal? Over here. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for right there. This article. It says many American evangelicals feel burned out. It talks about how high percentages are going through depression and how evangelicals have been diagnosed with depression and all these things. And, and evangelicals are burned out, given up, caving in, given in, given out, walking out, running out on God. The church attendance in America is dropping. Every single county of America, there was not one that had any real net growth. Not one county in the whole of the United States. Not one. Statistics have proven that. The church, oh, well, this church is getting real big. This church is growing. All growth in America in the last several years has been transfer growth. Or whatever was gained was, was someone else's loss. Isn't that sad? They that endure to the end. We're losing ground. But Jesus said, if you endure to the end, you shall be saved. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that our God neither rests nor grows weary? How many of you remember that scripture over in Isaiah? That they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that mount up with wings as of eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Did you know the eagles, when they get to be a certain age, go through a very bizarre transformation? And they go and they hide themselves, and they keep hitting their beak. And it comes to a stage in their life where they either go through this transformation or they die. Everybody say die. And it's a proven fact, scientific studies done on eagles, that they go and they get away from everybody else, and they keep hitting their beak really hard, and scientists watch that, until they break their beak completely off. And before that, they pluck all their own feathers out. They pluck every bit of their feathers. So here's this hideous thing that's got all of its feathers plucked out, and then it breaks its beak off, so it looks like a naked person with no nose. <laughs> Jeez, can you imagine that? I'd hide too. He said, well, you already look like that, Pastor Bill. No. But can you imagine, you know, it's the humiliation. It's this weak point. But then the Bible, then these studies say, that the eagle suddenly grows back all his plumage. And if he can get away and do this by a certain time in his life, it will add many years to his life. How many of you know when you prune a branch, it grows back bigger and stronger? Something about pruning all of his feathers off and breaking off his beak actually strengthens him and makes him live longer than if he let and kept on the old feathers and kept on the old beak and never got away and made this change. When you get about midlife, guys, you're going to have to make this change. And then they come back, and they're stronger, and they live longer than they would have if they had kept the old feathers and the old beak. It's all right to reinvent yourself. Can I get an amen? And so something about that, when we look to the Lord, he will renew our strength if we wait upon him. And that's what that's talking about. That's what that scripture is talking about. 
when eagles used to go, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings of eagles. And after eagles do that, they go and they soar. They get these new feathers. They get this new beak. And they get a new lease on life, so to speak. That is exactly what that, that uh, Isaiah is talking about. Number two, let's keep reading. Matthew 10, 28. We're, we're, we don't have a lot of time. We've got about 10 minutes. I've got to fit in about 20 minutes worth of sermon in 10 minutes. And look what it says in verses 28 through 31. We won't read the in-between just for the sake of time because uh, we didn't take the time here. Number two. It says in verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Wow. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. I like this scripture. I like in Isaiah, this is one of my favorite scriptures. I always have gone to the scripture. It's a very powerful scripture. It says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Are you feeling fear these days? Are you wondering what's going to happen with the government? Are you wondering what's going to happen with the economy? Are you wondering what's going to happen with gay marriage? Are you wondering what's going on with your kids? Are you wondering what's going on in every area from finances to church in your life? When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. When thou go through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, it shall not, you shall not be burned, and neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. It says 500 times in the Bible to fear not. Proverbs says the, the fear of the wicked shall come upon them. But the desire of the righteous shall be granted unto them. Can I get an amen? I believe this, that God wants us to be ready for everything but to fear nothing. Romans 4.19, it says that Abraham, who was 100 years old, his wife was 100 years old, they were both impotent. They couldn't have children. And this is one of the greatest truths that you'll ever learn. It says, he considered not his body, but was strong in faith. You cannot be in fear and in faith at the same time. Fear of the wicked shall come upon them, but the desire of the righteous, and desire is faith. Whatsoever things you desire when you believe, if you believe you receive it, you shall have it. Jesus said that when he talked about faith in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. But the desire of the righteous shall be granted unto them. When you look at that, Abraham is the father of faith. So he's the father of not having fear. He's the one who, of all people, must have ultimately conquered all fear. Because if he's the father of faith, that means he's the father of fearlessness. And it says he considered not his own body. The greatest fear he could have had is that I'm an old man and I can't have kids, and you say I'm going to be the father of many nations. And everything is predicated upon that for the Savior to come through my loin and my lineage for the Messiah of Israel. And 
he could have had great fear. I'm too old. I can't do this. This isn't going to work. And I'm certainly, if my wife can do it, I don't know if I'm old enough to raise these kids. I mean, you can feel like that when you're only 40. It's less than 100. And he consider, everybody say, consider not. Any fear that you have about what's going on today, any fear that you have about your inadequacies, shortcomings financially, shortcomings in uh, what you have or what you do or what you are or anything that you fear, wickedness out there, bad things coming, tribulations and all these different things, the Bible gives us an answer. It doesn't say deny it. It says consider it not. See, he said about Abraham a few verses before that, it says, Calling those things that be not as though they were. Not calling those things that are as though they weren't. Don't ever do that. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible teaches. Don't deny that you've got a problem. Face that you've got a problem, but face that you've got the answer to the problem that trumps it. Can I get an amen? Because otherwise there's no testimony if you never had a problem. Without a trial, there's no testimony. Without a tribulation, there's no testimony. Without a test, there's not a testimony. We've got, we've got to understand that we are to consider not, oh, yeah, well, I, I, I've got all the symptoms of, of cancer, but I'm not going to consider that. I'm going to consider that by his stripes I'm healed. It's what you consider in life that God is looking at. Are you considering that you're considering the devil more important and more powerful than God? Or are you just saying, I'm going to consider not. I'm not going to give the devil, uh, you know, he's an annoyance. I'm not going to give him any credibility, I'm not giving any credence. I, I may acknowledge in one sense that he's there. I'm not going to deny that he's there, but I'm going to consider not. He's not part of the consideration here. My feelings are not part of the consideration here. My finances are not part of what I'm considering here. I'm considering that my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and that he has given me all things pertaining to life and God, that he wishes that I would prosper and be in health. And that he is the God who meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's what I'm going to consider. Amen. So, fear not. Let's go on to the third one. So, number one, enduring is a tribulation you're going to have. Because you're going to feel worn out and like you can't go anymore. And when you wait upon the Lord, he'll renew your strength. Secondly, you're going to want to fear things. You're going to fear that there's not going to be enough money. You're going to want to fear that you're not going to be able to do this. You might, you're going to fear... Uh, all these types of things that can come before you. And just know this, that faith comes by hearing, and faith nullifies fear. Can I get an amen? So fill yourself with faith. Fill yourself with the word. So two things. Bad things, consider not. Good things that God promises, meditate on the word, because faith will come to believe to receive them. When you have faith, because faith comes by hearing, hearing makes you know what the will of God is. Faith begins where the will of God is known, and then you can know what you believe. See, faith is not a leap in the dark. It's a step into the light. Faith is never a leap in the dark. That's the definition of secular idiots, what they think faith is. Faith is a step into the light. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith comes by hearing the word of God so you can know what to do and act upon and trust and have God's will before you. So we can act upon that. Number three, let's go on. And it says in verses 32 and 33, it says, Whosoever, wherefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, he also will I deny before my Father in heaven. Here's another tribulation that will come upon us. 
tribulation of being worn out. And when you get worn out, it's easy to fall into depression. And, and you're exasperated and, and you become hopeless. Fear is another tribulation where you get out of faith and you start believing the devil's report instead of God's report. Three is that your confession before men begins to change. And I, I believe this, that when you are in this world, uh, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And if you don't and you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. In Acts four sixteen through 20, it says that they had brought this great miracle about when they prayed for the man and, and, he, and he got up and he, he was healed and the magistrates got on him and they brought him into the courts and they commanded him not to, he says, we can't deny this wonderful, notable miracle that you did, but we sure can tell you not to spread this stuff anymore in our town. Now you need to quit doing that. And they said, what? what? Better to obey you or to obey God? Sorry, we're going to keep on preaching. And they'll tell you to shut up at school. They'll tell you to shut up in the courtroom. They're going to tell us to shut up uh, in everything that we do. They're going to try to silence us. 1954, LBJ made a law that preachers couldn't talk about politics. I've been talking about it ever since I've been in ministry. The Holy Spirit will give us words. They couldn't resist the wisdom that uh, Stephen spoke by. We've been not given the spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and of a sound mind. Many are tempted to go silent because the political correct police are out and about threatening us with hate speech and calling us bigots. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it clear. Homosexual marriage is sin. There, I said it. Gay marriage is sin. It's evil. God hates it. You'll be judged for it. And I'm not going to take it back. You see, the enemy wants to so make us wimp out, back down, shut up, disengage. But let me tell you something. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We've got to keep confessing. We've got to keep testifying. We've got to keep saying the right thing in public. Because, see... These three things. If you don't endure to the end, you're not saved. Because enduring to the end to be saved means not enduring to the end, you won't be saved. If it, don't fear them who can kill the body, but fear him who can destroy the soul and the body. If you fear them that can kill the body, and you don't fear him who can destroy the soul and body, you're going to go to hell. Because he can destroy the body and the soul by casting it into hell, it says. These are, these are either apostasy, tribulation, or victory tribulation. Enduring to the end, you're either going to apostate or be victorious. Fearing man or fearing God, the fear of man brings a snare. You're either going to fear God or you're going to fear man and go to hell. You're either going to confess me before men, and I'll confess you before the, or you're not going to confess me before men, and I won't confess you before the. Each one of these are six tests that will determine whether you apostate or you can, sit, can continue on, and they're tribulations that you're going to have to know that you're going to have to win. Somebody say amen. amen. These are not options. These are things that Jesus was saying that either you're going to fear me or you're going to fear man. You're either going to continue on, endure the end, or you're going to fail. You're either going to have a, an idea here <clears throat> that you don't have to confess me or you have to confess me before men. Last one. 
And this is one that people probably don't like hearing. But in Matthew 10, 34 through 37, he talks about loving our family. Think not that I am come to bring peace on earth, but I came to send, I did not come to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set man against variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be the, excuse me, shall be they of his own household. And he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now that's scary. And when I look at what it says, see, and family dysfunction and betrayal and apostasy is only going to get worse in the days to come. And so you better decide who your family is. Jesus' brothers and sisters' mom are trying to find him, and he says, who are my brothers and sisters? My brothers and sisters are the ones who do the will of God. See, it it tells us that in the last days, and I'm going to hit this scripture, we're going to close here. In the last days, oh, I'm going over to Timothy. Turn over to Timothy. Third chapter, 2 Timothy. Look what it says. It says, Know this also in the last days, perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Everybody say to parents. Unthankful and holy. Without natural affection. That means not homosexuality. That means you have no, you can cut your mother, slice your mother's throat and not have a bit of remorse over it. Psychopaths today doing that, killing their children, killing their parents, killing their brothers and sisters, not an ounce of remorse without natural affection. Satan does that to people. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, traitor to the family, traitor to the church, traitor to brothers and sisters. All these things, even family can't trump God. Because family dysfunction and betrayal and apostasy is only going to get worse according to these scriptures. It's only going to get worse. And you got to know that your loyalty is to God and his family. And don't be putting all the things, all the family reunions and all the family this and the family that and everything of all, you know, the heathen relatives and all these things constantly over the things of God. Now, you can go to those things. You need to be going there trying to get them saved. But some people place their heathen family over God and his family. And it's wrong. It's not right. Jesus said, you've got to be willing. You're not worthy of me if you do those things. So that's one. And if you're not worthy of me, if you're unworthy, that, that tells me, I don't know if that person is going to, save, going to be saved. If you love your daughter or your son more, you're not worthy of me. And he says, take up your cross and follow after me. And if you don't, you're not worthy of me. So we, how many of you know that's a tribulation when your family put, says, okay, choose us or choose God? How many of you know people get put in that position all the time? Choose us or choose God? You're going to have to choose God. Tribulation, everybody say Tribulation. These are the type of tribulations. And in family, I tell you what, families are going to become more dysfunctional. They're going to be more 
uh, divided. They're gonna get, it's going to get worse and worse, and you better decide now. Jesus says you've got to make a decision. Just like you've got to not fear. Just like you've got to not uh, fall out and not endure to the end. Just like you've got to not be you know, fearful about things. You, you, you've got to be able to confess before man, and you've got to be willing to say no to your family sometime. Now, I'm for a family. Who doesn't provide for his own is worse than an infidel, the Bible says. We're to care for family. We're to love family. But we don't ever place family above God. Somebody say amen. amen. You don't ever place family above God. Now, you can place your family above church sometimes. But, don't, but you, you, know, you don't place family above God. Amen. Well, we're out of time. But the Bible talks. And we're just going to say some things. Paul tells us to glory in our tribulations in Romans 5, 3. Romans 12, 2, it says that tribulations brings patience. In 2 Corinthians 1 and 34, it says God comforts us in our tribulation. And it also tells us that those who don't endure, in Matthew 13, 21, you ought to read this, those who don't endure tribulation, it's a sign that they never had any real root of the word of God in them. It says, those because of persecution and tribulation, for the word's sake, they're persecuted. And the Bible says, they're offended and they leave. So, we need to be able to endure persecution. And we need to be able to endure tribulation. And the fact that a person won't endure any tribulation, it says in that scripture, tells us that they never had any root of the word of God really in them. They probably were never really saved. They might have been saved, but they, but they never had a root of the word. They never had planted and put deep roots in the word, uh, of the word inside their heart. Let's stand up. Let's be dismissed.